The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and, of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. Kia my name is Toby Manhai. This is a Gone By Lunchtime Summer reissue. And this is an emergency podcast. Well, it was an emergency at the time. We recorded this podcast the morning after Judith Collins issued that extraordinary late night press release in which she demoted and stripped of his portfolio Simon Bridges. You probably know a little about what happened thereafter. We knew some of it when we recorded this, but the emergency podcasts are always the most fun, and I hope you enjoy listening to it. Kia ora. The time is 1400 hours on Thursday, November the 25th, 2021. This is the Spinoff Podcast Network with an emergency edition of Gone by Lunchtime. Gone by Lunchtime. Um, an extraordinary day in New Zealand politics once again. We uh, have a vacancy, ladies and gentlemen, for the leader of the National Party because Judith Collins has lost that position, I think, 15 months after she took over from Todd Muller. She's gone after a no-confidence vote, which followed an equally incredible press release that came out last night containing allegations which, of course, needed to be taken seriously uh, relating to Simon Bridges and harassment. Ben, Annabelle. Toby. Hello. Ben, take us back a little bit further, though. What, what, what have the last few weeks and months told us about Judith Collins' leadership, about potential threats to that leadership? What was the kind of precursor to that incredible press release that landed in our inboxes about 930 last night. It would be fair to say that since the election campaign, and particularly in this new term of parliament, um, Judith Collins' tenure has been a messy leadership that loves drama. And she has kind of careered all over the place in terms of policy focus, sort of going into like race baiting, conspiracy, hepua-pua stuff, uh, tarrying with, you know, political correctness, anti-PC, wokeism, whatever. Um, And it's sort of become clear, I think, over the last probably two months that the you know that what were identified as sort of flaws in her leadership, which was in particular her lack of discipline and message saying on message, and the, the other thing was just the the the, the reign of terror on her caucus, just the <laughs> the climate of fear <laughs> that National Party MPs existed in, uh, wasn't going away and was in fact, if anything, getting more entrenched. The consensus, I think broadly formed in the New Zealand Parliament firmament and in the National Caucus that she was not long for the political world. By 2023, there would be a new leader in the election. Simon Bridges, widely believed to have been uh, chief amongst those um, organising for an orderly transition. Mm. Um, and, and most of the debate, as we've had you know, here, has been about would it be before Christmas, would it be after Christmas? And... Uh, Presumably, the only thing you can conclude is that Judith Collins found these sort of historical allegations about baffling comments and thought, this is my chance to kneecap bridges and just cauterise this, just burn the wound closed. <coughs> so let's, let's, let's get into those comments. Um, the, not too much, hopefully, but basically 
the comments to become clear, and Simon Bridges has uh, said, I think they were on the money, the media reports, but um, the comments were at a function, a National Caucus function at Government House. Premier House. Premier House, big pardon. Um, so it'd be, the end, it'd be the end of year leaders party. Uh, and, oh yeah, you've yeah. been to that? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, which is you know that's you? fancy. That, no, that, that, that's a hey, bit that. of a, that's a bit of a that's a kind of a let your hair down kind of party to recognise the good work over the year. Everyone unwinds. Yes. A bit. Well, Simon Bridges was certainly letting his hair down then, and he's apologised for the statement he did at the time when a complaint was issued, and he has again in recent days. The statement was to do with uh, uh, sex, and he wanted to have a daughter after having two boys, and he was uh, making coarse crude uh, remarks, probably, I think it's fair to say, goofy remarks too, about what he has subsequently called an old wives' tale in terms of what you might do during the act of coitus. (coughs) If you were hoping to conceive a girl rather than a boy. Is that a fair summary of what was said? It's a fair summary and I feel sick. I just want to vomit. Yeah. I... Yeah, essentially, he. You think it, Simon Bridges should should resign? Is that what <laughs> I think saying? they should all resign. I they think should all resign. Parliament needs to be closed down until we can figure resign. out what is going on. I have long, long advocated for a parliamentary term sex ban. If you want to, if you want to procreate, if you, if somebody wants to have sex with a politician, you got to do it in that interregnum between governments because. It's just disgusting. Nobody wants to talk about this. I don't no. want to talk about this. I've no. been talking about this all day. No. I will never recover. Who do I get to sue? Who do I get to complain yep. to? Well, we don't. We won't. We'll, 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 we won't talk about uh, Simon Bridges' penis at all after today. Um, Annabelle, the clearly um, lewd and uh, not nice thing for someone to be around. And and and. and, and uh, <sighs> We're not defending the comments. At the same time, when that statement came out last night, it included uh, words. It's 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 it said that uh, the decision to demote and strip of his portfolio, Simon Bridges, follows an allegation. I'm quoting of serious misconduct relating to Simon Bridges' interaction with a caucus colleague. Goes on, but longer, and then towards the end, it says, "Under my leadership, this is Judith Collins, the National Party will not tolerate harassment and intimidation of any person." And I think a lot of people, whether uh, commentators, the general public, or the caucus of the National Party, when that press release came out last night, <laughs> had. They, 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 they know who Judith Collins is and the suspicion was that this was not a purely motivate. This mo- the motivation for putting that out was not pure, but mm, Simon Bridges on the way in this morning called it a desperate act of someone who was clinging uh, in whatever way she could to the leadership. The, the issue with it is that it's an incredibly inflammatory press release. And if, like most New Zealanders, you aren't privy to gallery gossip, incredibly damaging for, um, for Bridges, and it kind of invokes, um, you know, scenes of, like, is it some poor um, press secretary getting harassed on a mm. Friday night? Um, you know, words like harassment and intimidation are, are really, really serious. So um, if you just took it on the face of it, you would think fair enough if you didn't if you didn't understand the full context in, in which this has been released. It clearly, is an act of desperation, and and while there have been ongoing leadership issues uh, with National and particularly for Judith, I think that this essentially boils down to the interview that Simon Bridges did on News Hub with Tova the other night, when he um, said several times that it wasn't his intention to launch a coup mm. behind a sort of um, an impish smile, and mm. I think that that's really irritated. Judith and she's taken, you know, the step to to try and block him before he's out the gates. There have been reports for some time. Claire Trevette has written two, maybe three columns in which she has provided a quite uh, uh, quite a deep level of detail about the plans for an orderly transition, as you were mentioning before, Ben, with Simon Bridges returning <coughs> uh, to lead again. 
it, it's, it's hard not to read it that way. It's hard not to read, and I was just thinking about it before. It seems like an act, it seems like a, 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 a kind of a, a wild thing to do. Perhaps though, in the purest Machiavellian sense, she knew that the writing. She must have known the writing was on the wall. She must have known what was coming up against, and so she thought, "What is the last resort? What is the last chance saloon? What if?" I throw someone under the bus. I mean, it's very, you know, that old Lyndon B. Johnson story, probably apocryphal, mm. that, you know, he, he had a narrow lead coming into his first municipal election or whatever, mm. and he said to his press people, you know, go out and call my opponent a pig fucker. And the the press person said, but he, he doesn't fuck pigs. And Lyndon B. Johnson said, make him deny it. And... Yeah. This is, you know, it's very hard to see. You know, look, let's let's not, you know, don't downplay gross bants, which is, I think, what this falls into. You know, um, men in particular in business or political settings can be gross sometimes, and it's it's you know, you you hope that the culture is changing. You know, this was five years ago. Um, Bridges himself has reflected on some of his past recently in his writings. Mm. Um, he himself, you know, he dealt with the Jamie Lee Ross uh, harassment and bullying. Me Too has happened in that time. You know, you'd think that he's, he's probably reflected a little bit on the appropriateness of, you know, talking about, um, you know, til- tilting nature's table in terms of an X or Y chromosome. But... The, but but for Collins, you know, Collins knew what the plain and ordinary meaning of her release was, and I think she very much knew that what he was alleged to have done and what he says he did didn't didn't, didn't meet anything close to what people's ordinary understanding of harassment or intimidation, or she later said establishing dominance meant. Um, and the it's I mean it seems impossible to conclude anything except that it was a smear. I think you know we know that. National invented three strikes, but usually they have to be for three separate crimes. You can't kind of <laughs> repunish someone for the crime that they're supposedly already, you know, been before their leader for. The other issue with what she tried to do is that, you know, had English taken a really strong stand against it at the time, or an or a new leader like a, you know, for example, Shane Deretti. Who, who felt that the punishment at the time wasn't enough, I think that people might accept it. The difficulty for Judith is that she has a long track record of alleged bullying and intimidation incidents. You know, there's the fat shaming of Susie Weil. There was the alleged cyberbullying of the, the Kainga Order couple. You know, she is Give not someone... Double. Who, ..who is not a bastion of, of, of great... Behaviour, and so most people, you know, read that this was merely, um, you know, a really underhanded move to cut him off at, at the pass. There's no, she doesn't, she can't see the beautiful view from the moral high ground. We can't see inside Judith Collins' head, but <laughs> at the very like best, the very, Bosch painting the very, <laughs> the, we will paint it for you and share it in our sealed section. And the the very the very the, the most generous reading of what had happened is that it was a appalling blindsiding of your own caucus and taking uh, matters into your own hands. Uh, more likely, at the other end of the spectrum, it's this is a whale oil, dirty politics style hit job going on, um, and. It's worse still because what it does, if we accept that to be the approach, is it appropriates a movement and things that are very serious for personal, political, ruthless, expedient gain. In the same way that we have sometimes seen in recent times in politics, in this country and other politics, what looks a lot like the appropriation of mental health issues to excuse or explain or justify base and appalling acts. And that's something that is seriously chilling, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you can't avoid the conclusion that she tried to weaponise um, the the 
issue of harassment and bullying in Parliament, which has been in the news, the Francis Report. We know it happens. I personally, I'm not convinced that it happens at a greater rate than it does in the private sector. Um, but, you know, it's there. It's part of the culture. Um, and for Collins to sort of... Yes, seek to kneecap one of her opponents, you know, to take a headshot um, using basically the the innuendo of what we know about, you know, reported acts, um, you know, in other cases, yeah. and just hoping that people sort of sort of imply that or infer that rather from what she said about bridges. I mean, it's it, that more than anything you know, will have lost her the confidence of her caucus um, because it, it really just shows, I mean, it's it's just, it's not just remorseless um, and vicious, but it just shows that, you know, nothing's really off limits. I mean, if, if you're going to mischaracterize things that happened five years ago that, you know, were legitimate faux pas, legitimate issues, say, that, that were addressed at the time, you know, no one in parliament's safe from that. Like maybe maybe Chloe, you know. I, I don't think, but you know, and 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 she has shown the streak of just ruthlessly going after her own MPs, um, and you know that more than anything will have been what tipped her caucus over and said, you know, we actually can't go on like this. Just on a personal level, you know, forget about the polling, forget about, mm. uh, you know, th- it almost becomes a health and safety in the workplace issue. I mean, like, <laughs> it had become, hadn't it, when we cast our minds back to whenever it was a year and a half ago, not quite a year and a half ago, after Todd Muller, I think we sat in this room and talked about how they were at a point now where they had run out of reasons not to select Judith Collins. And... It had become... Ben was keen as for, for JUCO not not that long ago, I'm 16 glad, months I'm, ago. You know, I'm, glad, just, I'm glad you brought that back up. In I fact, mean, I don't been, want to bring it up, no. but I mean, since we're bringing it up, <laughs> yeah. I just... He read her book, he was yes. into it. He was a real booster, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. He told us that um, the the stereotypes... Hating on the ABCs and control. that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just want to take this time yeah. to say that <laughs> I am more disappointed than anyone... <laughs> I count myself as a victim of Judith Collins and her leadership. (laughs) Annabelle, I don't know, I'm trying to remember, I think also before that, uh, Ben was a big fan of Todd Muller as the um, answer to the issues. I was not a fan of Todd Muller. I didn't know who Todd Muller was. Oh, maybe it was Todd Muller. That you were supporting. It what? was one, one or the other. No, I mean, I wasn't going to say anything, yeah. but since I've never you brought been it up, a Todd Muller fan. My argument when Bridges was deposed was anyone is better than Bridges. And I was clearly wrong about yep. that as well. Okay, like, well, what about, what, about, what about now, next Tuesday? Can we just move on to my yes, prospectively we can, we incorrect can, we take can, about the future <laughs> we'll, we'll rather than we'll digging it. over <laughs> old ground? Don't worry, we're not recording this one. If we, ke- if we, keep, if we keep just digging over the, all this old ground, we're just going to find more and more corpses. Yes. So I reckon with Judith Collins. What we should do is we should get we should get Ben to pick the next leader, mm-hmm. and then National, if you're listening, like don't pick that one. <laughs> you know what to do. Yeah. You know what not to do. Yeah. Um, on that, yes, Shane Shane Ritty, who uh, uh, the deputy leader, is now taking over as interim leader. And on Tuesday, next week, Tuesday, November the 30th, maybe? Uh, let's say yep. that. Uh, there will be, the, the caucus will be held and they will gather together, however many of them are still standing, 33, <laughs> I think. And Coming in with like head legs and <laughs> <laughs> arms blowing off and uh, entrails like dragging down the hallway across uh, the black and white tiles. Yeah. Once, once when uh, when an, uh, a party was expelling one of its MPs, this is going a long way back hmm. before the internet, um, the party hired security because they were worried about sort of reprisals. And if I was, if I was. Dr. Shane Reddy, I would have I'd have paramedics on hand. Yeah, probably if you like a defibrillator. Yeah, and some cattle prods. <laughs> like, got to get um, a lot of those o- oximeters. Eh, just mm. everyone's got like seven or eight pulse oximeters attached <laughs> to their nipples. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, so, so after today's epic caucus meeting, three and a half hours or something, which didn't come close to Labor's 2014 seven-hour caucus meeting, if you remember, where. 
Cunliffe. That was all just one Cunliffe, big speech. Hung on for dear life. He basically... Yeah. He would have been filibustering. He filibustered his own caucus. But it was just poetry as well. He just... Like, <laughs> now a pantoum. Um... Yes. So after that, the, the the outcome is that we will have a new leader. Uh, Shane Reti is the interim leader on Tuesday. What, what, I mean, it was suggested initially, immediately after the caucus meeting, that it was going to be a head-to-head between Christopher Luxon and Mark Mitchell, two Auckland MPs. But then subsequently, it did seem strange, given that Simon Bridges seemed quite uh, set upon uh, another go. Uh, and then Bridges gave a press conference uh, quite recently. I don't know if you guys saw any of that. You were probably too busy focusing on your other media commitments, um, he was especially like, you, he was Ben. Like, me? Um, Run for, for leader? <laughs> Simon Bridges? <laughs> well, well now, now that it's been put to me, I guess we can't rule it out. Like, uh, Yes, and uh, he, yeah, he, he said he would. I think he said he would consider it over the next few days, so we can expect him to be in the mix. Uh, so, who we got? We got. We got. We're, we're, we're assuming that Mark Mitchell will be there. Uh, Mark Mitchell has stood before. Let's go through them. I'm going to tell you who they are first that I've got on my list. You tell me if anyone's missing, and then we'll go through them briefly, and then we'll ask Ben to tell us who he thinks should be the <laughs> next leader. I have on my list Simon Bridges. I have on my list. Christopher Luxon, I have on my list Mark Mitchell, I have on my list maybe Shane Reti, maybe Nicola Willis, maybe Chris Bishop. Has anyone I've missed, anyone I missed from that list, team? It sounds like a good list. That's a good list. Good um, list. Let's start with Simon Bridges, uh, Annabelle, the 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 the, 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 the Renaissance, the rejuvenation, the reincarnation of Simon Yak Bridges. Uh, He's been in many ways redeemed in uh, media circles. Um, he does seem to me and my interactions with him are much more relaxed and confident and uh, centred human being. Uh, whether or not that will translate to the to the public is, of course, another another question. He's written a good book. What do you think? I think that he would be quite high risk now. Uh, after this little episode, because of the because people are just going to keep asking until it's given uh-huh. to the to, you know word for word, and it's mm-hmm. not going to look good, and it just becomes another weeping sore. And, and you know, in terms of the polling between him and Judith, it's a bit of a Clayton's choice. New Zealanders really don't want either of them. He's already been beaten by Jacinda, and I, I don't. I personally don't see how he could win the next election for national. If they if they were putting him in merely to be a caretaker uh, for a while, then perhaps. But I, I think that re- regardless of Judith overplaying these allegations, I think he's still being tainted by them. Uh, ben, the comeback kid, the freshly, you know, sensitive new age, Simon Bridges. Uh, yeah, you know, he was, the, he was the pacemaker before this uh, sort of implosion. He was probably on track to become the leader. Um he was probably he's possibly on track to become prime minister on the polling before COVID hit. Mm. Um, Annabelle's right; he's got terrible positives, uh, favorable, unfavorables. He's he's not popular with the public. Could could the rejuvenated, refreshed, relaxed Simon Bridges make a better impression with the public this time? Probably, um, you know whether that would be decisive or not. Um, he didn't. He's never been beaten by Jacinda. He didn't get the chance, and I know that. You know we can. We know that rankles with him. I think it will depend on on whether other people, you know, want to give it a go. I, I tend to think it's between him and Luxon, not to hurry down the list, but. Uh, you know, we know that he can run a political party, he can run an office, he can just turn up and do the appearances and deliver the lines. Uh, he's reliable, even if he's not wildly popular. His personal popularity was always low when he was um, leader, but the party vote stayed high. Right now, National desperately needs stability, and he knows that he can be stable and he won't face a lot of opposition from his uh, challengers because they will 
be thinking he'll lose 2023 and they can pick up the pieces. I suppose one of the other things potentially in his advantage, if he has indeed been doing the work behind the scenes to kind of unite the extent to which there are two wings or a range of different views and kind of liberal and economic uh, approach within the National Caucus, whether or not he is in a position now that he can bring together those groups which, um, you know, those, those, it's, it's, prob- it's possible to overstate those, um, those, those, those fissures, but at the same time, I think during the Mueller experiment, some of them became quite uh, raw. But let's keep moving on. Chris Luxon um, in New Zealand. Christopher Luxon. Christopher Luxon. I think we're going with Luxton. I think we'll... Lux. Well, his best chance of becoming Prime Minister is to have a kind of mispronounced surname. Mm. So... Oh, cool. I, I, John Keyes. John Keyes. Mm-hmm. Mike Hoskins. Helen was, Clark with was a he, D. Was he yeah. Prime Minister? Um, Chris, Chris, Sir Chris, 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 Christopher Luxon, protégé of Sir John Key, won't get in a helicopter with him, handsome bald man, I think he described himself as. He does have a great look. He looks. He looks like. Is that because he looks, he looks, he looks a bit like of a you? pilot? Look, doesn't he? Very, he looks very relatable. You can imagine very sympathetic. Him. I feel like uh, I would be confident getting on a on a plane that he was flying. He looks like a pilot. Yeah. Or a, or an air. Yeah. Or a doctor. Or a dad. Oh. I think. There, I, this is looking. This is looking. Is this looking good or bad for Luxon? Because Ben think, seems to be talking him up. It might be a bald dad. Be summer. careful, Chris. You don't. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want Ben's poison, chalice. <laughs> Um, I think the issue for him is that he remains a bit of a mystery, really. Like, he doesn't get a lot of media exposure. He (coughs) hasn't really got much cut through. I mean, for me, from a Māori perspective, you know, he was the CEO at Air New Zealand when they weren't allowing cabin crew with tāmoko to be employed, and that only changed, like, a couple of years ago, like ridiculously recently. Um, of course, there was a whole issue with Air New Zealand fixing up the, um, what was it, the thingy bops for the Saudis, you know, Yemen, all of that. Oh, so yeah. there's some problematic things there. And, I mean, perhaps he's an incredibly charismatic man. He must be if he, you know, if he's done so well in the corporate world. But he remains really an unknown, I think, for a lot of New Zealanders. Yeah, there was a. There they was probably, a... and despite being unknown, clearly people prefer him more too. Judith. Yeah, I mean, he is. I've, I, I've, I met him once after that candidate selection thing he did. Um, uh, in, in in botany was it, um, and uh, and he came across as you know he did have a, a bit of the John Key touch of just sort of being quite interested in meeting people, which um, I'm not suggesting that that is uh, enough to to be the leader of a political party, but he does have something there. I think absolutely right. There's that unknown, isn't there? Because there was such there's such an enthusiasm among the fourth estate and others to kind of anoint the next one, mm-hmm. that people got way, including us, got way ahead of ourselves and got, oh, this is the next John Key. And he, he hadn't at that point even announced his candidacy, but he was sort of being dubbed as a future Prime Minister. He had done a couple of very stumbling, expansive interviews where mm. he said far too much, offered his own opinions about He did a good, good interview the other day on Q&A on Three Waters. He's definitely... He's, he's getting better. He's getting better, he's taking advice and he's learning. Um, yeah. You might, you would think, probably to come in, just really step into his power as the next John Key, he would probably want a f- couple more years uh, doing that. His his declared intention, you know, behind the scenes, off the record, not really declared at all, but nudge, nudge, wink, wink, is that he wanted to wait basically until after the election yeah. for what seemed like the inevitable national loss before stepping up and trying out the leadership. Uh, his calculus on that may have changed now. You know, we've seen Labour take a pretty significant dive in the polls. Um, you know, there are there are those middle voters that National lost. Um, they're out there somewhere, probably hanging out with David Seymour and twerking. And he will. He might think, well, actually, if the COVID response goes further south, and it, you know, there's been a lot of confusion recently. Um, you know, I've got a shot, and so he might he might be tempted to bring that forward. Um, I te- I tend to agree with Annabelle. I, t- 
I, you know, I haven't seen enough of him to suggest that he is a natural like John Key. I think, you know, I think he's a quick study, um, but, you know, c- could he handle the 24-7 just relentless barrage that will come with trying to resuscitate this bloated, flatulent corpse of the National Party right now in Parliament? I think, I mean, where he could be good is bringing those CEO skills that you'd apply to like an like an unruly exec team mm-hmm. and trying to bring about some cultural change within the organisation and stuff. But does that translate to the X factor that voters want to see? I don't know. I mean, perhaps if he's able to steady the ship, he might make a slow kind of... Um, uh, uh, his popularity may, may grow with... Um, with voters. I, mean, I think that's one of the issues though, isn't it? It's a CEO is not the same as the leader of a political party. Being the Prime Minister is a bit like being a CEO, but not being leader of the uh, opposition, where you've really got to be diplomatic. You know, you can't just... Oh, it's just an absolute shit job. I mean, there have been so many <laughs> leaders mm. of the opposition under MMP. You know, it's become a hoary cliche that it's the hardest job in politics. But it's just really hard. Having said that, and you sort of talked about whether or not Luxem had been, you know, timing things to come mm. in 2023. In some sense, there's no better time than to, be, to become, because you cannot. I mean, you would have to, it would be a heroic achievement to make things worse. I would have thought simply by turning up and not having your entire caucus sort of on, you know, on tenterhooks wondering what the hell you're going to say next, just sort of offering some stability, just sort of offering some coherent sentences that you were going to, you just get, you kind of, you kind of, you get, you get two or three percentage points back off act without even blinking, I would have thought. There's literally nowhere to fall. I mean, surely you can only go up from here. Everyone always says that. Everyone always says that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can, there is always further to fall in politics. Probably when Jamie Lee Ross was doing his mad dash across country to do his insane 18-hour stand-up on the tiles, he probably thought, I've already lost everything, there's nothing more to lose. Mm. And it turned out there was plenty. Mm. There's, you know, Labor Labor has polled in the teens in the past, and there's no reason why National 17 should be under Helen Clark, that. who came yeah. back to, to she, what had happened to her? She, uh, did she become Prime Minister, didn't she? She has, she has, she has slowly been building a movement to stop 660 performing at Eden That's Park. That's right. I knew there was something that happened there. Raising capital or taking your business to the world? Investment Fix has the lowdown on everything you need to make it happen. This season, we're exploring the US market, the opportunities it offers, what it takes to grow a business there, and the best way to approach investors. Join some of the superstars of the investment and business world as they share advice from their time in the US so you can make your mahi count in this massive market. The Investment Fix podcast, brought to you by Invest New Zealand. Tune in today. Hello for lover. I'm Madeline Chapman, editor at The Spin-Off. If you have the means, consider supporting our high-quality journalism by becoming a Spin-Off member. Sign up now at thespinoff.co.nz/donate. Okay, we're still going. Mark Mitchell, Annabelle. Do you have a view about Mark Mitchell? He's quite good on the radio on ZB with old uh, Stuart Nash. He's always into it. He's up for it. I think I He was thinking about going for mayor in Port No. No. Now he's thinking about going. He sort of, yeah, what is he? He's contemplated. He's a bit, he's interesting. <laughs> he's quite thinky. Quite th- well. Um, hmm. I think I read in a doctor's office once, like in a magazine, that hmm. he was, his partner was Possum Bourne's wife. Yeah, so that's yeah, good. Peggy that's good. Yeah. Okay. We love Peggy Bourne. Okay. Reality star. Yeah. Of the early 2000s. Okay, well, that's, there's that's that, a, so that's there's that. That's one in the good column. And he's pleasant. Yeah. It's quite, he's, he's got it's nice, nice eyes. Yeah. Lovely eyes. He's quite, got nice eyes. Quite a, quite a good sort of barrel-chested yeah. look as well. Do we yeah. want, is it time for a barrel-chested? Did he kill people for a living minister? or something? Well, there was very, a very little bit of the, the mercen- I was mercen- just about to say. mercenary <laughs> stuff. There's that. Also lovely eyes. Yeah. yeah. So Very nice. I think that probably covers for, my former, former police dog handler. Oh, I oh, love yeah. that. He might have a dog. Do you reckon he has a dog? They I need a dog. Got, like, they need a dog in there. German shepherds. 
<laughs> paroling, paroling the perimeter, <laughs> patrolling the perimeter of the. Uh, the um, yeah. I mean, it just it just it's, it seems it seems like his best shot. Uh, seems like a seems like a, a, a decent chap. His best chance would be in the you're the caretaker, and he'd be like, "All right, <laughs> yeah." But that's that that that's one of those things that always sounds fine in theory, but I I don't ever think it really works. It just doesn't work that way. Bridges put himself forward for the leadership um, after Key, and that was seen as a sort of bold sort of uh, you yeah. know staking yeah. his claim, sure. the yeah. young yeah. buck kind yeah. of putting himself in the frame, putting his poe in the ground. Yeah, and, yeah. That, and that was and that was regarded as sort of paying off when the when English left, mm. and then mm. yeah. there was another contest, putting them and, on notice that there was a young bull in the paddock. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. A frisky young yak. <laughs> it was like, um, but. And I think that that's where Mitchell's taken its, his cue from. But now he's sort of thrown his hat in the ring about eight times. <laughs> and doesn't seem to And sometimes it. he takes the hat back. And he doesn't yeah, seem to get any Oh, did I? Oh, no, I thought that my hat. Oh, I didn't. And I was, he, yeah, and he doesn't seem to get any votes when he puts his hat in the ring. Else. And he's, he's more just a sort of... At least it's not a mega hat, unlike other contenders. I think he's just like, I just think he's like someone who, who's like, yeah, he's into stuff. And so they go, would anybody like to be the next leader? And he goes... Yeah, <laughs> why not? Why the hell not? He's in the parliamentary rugby team. He's, he's up like, for he, it. He likes activities. Yes, yeah. exactly. He's, we need more people like he's, that. He's actually, he's good. He's he good. could be a goodie. Put him on the list. Up Chuck him on the list. He's a, he's a good Anyone want to go to the pub quiz? Yep. Yeah, Mark will be there. He'll be into it. Yeah. Touch rugby? Yeah, he, look, he is a good politician, but I don't, I don't think... Yeah. Shane Ritty is the deputy, and he impressed a lot, kind of, um, in parts of the COVID response by actually knowing what he was talking about, being a real-life doctor, some of the work he's done in Northland and Whangarei, uh, in terms of uh, working on the ground and the vaccination rollout has been really impressive. He's given a really good interview or two to the... Um, uh, much nominated, much garlanded current affairs television program, The Hui, uh, Annabelle Lee Mather. Um, is he a leader of the National Party, however? Look, I don't want to go around like exhuming all of Ben's political skeletons <laughs> and water blasting them and uh, shit, but yeah. I mean, I did say back in the day that I thought he'd be quite good. Right, and he has been quite good. Yes, and, and in fact, I would quite say, good. no, I would say that he has been the ballast uh. that's provided credibility and stability to that party when they needed it. I thought he was very classy today. Yep. Um, I think the problem that National has had is that the bloodbath of leadership has been so vindictive and brutal that they've literally biffed every baby out of the bath with the bathwater. Hmm. You know, people like Paula Bennett, Amy Adams, Nikki Kay, these hmm. are all people who would be able to fill that void right now, whether it's in a leader a or, point, or, a de- it? or a deputy leader How thing. How they could use Amy Adams right now. National can't afford to keep burning off it's good people, and I think that if you want to signal to the public that you're going to pull your big girl panties up and start behaving like an adult, that keeping him on in the very least as a deputy leader would be a great way to signal that because he's got some some great skills. I think that he is someone who has seen really grow into the role. He's got mana. He... Um, he I think as someone who resonates with both Pākehā, Pākehā and Māori, older and younger, mm. um, he's got a very um, good bedside manner, for want of a better word, and, and I think that there is real value in considering him as a as a leader or a deputy leader in, in the refreshed lineup. Dr. Shane, Ben, not a lot of emotional intelligence. For a political leader, um, he's very good. He's, uh, you know, he is. He's got he's got gravitas. He's dignified, which 
<laughs> very short supply in the National Party caucus right now. I um, think he's in the zeitgeist too, you know, like people are mm. freaked out about COVID and all of that stuff and he he presents as someone who knows what he's doing, who's very scientifically led and yet absolutely pragmatic, who can, you mm. know, leave Wellington and jump on the tools and go and vaccinate people and I think at this moment in time, there is, there's an audience for him, there's an appetite for a leader like it's him. It's a curious thing though, isn't it? I think one of the reasons he's quite often overlooked is he doesn't seem to have that kind of hunger, that political animal side. I'm not, that, and that may be a fault in our analysis that you, when you don't see that, you don't see someone who appears to be... He reminds me a bit of David Parker, who was the uh, interim leader for Labour, who, again, you know, uh, very smart. um, Yes, you you can imagine them having a very long, interesting conversation together. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, and but but intuitively, just doesn't doesn't feel like he's got the kind of temperament for it. Um, I mean, I think Reddy remains an integral part of the front bench particularly during COVID, um, there might be, but because of the new leader, if it's not Dr. Etty, um, will probably be from that conservative side of the party, you know, then you need a, you know, urban liberal in, as the deputy as per national tradition. Um, he also strikes me as someone who could work, you know, across <coughs> a range of parties and having someone like him in your um and your coalition negotiations after the next election, you mm. know, could be helpful. Mm. Um, Nicola Willis, Annabelle, she was, uh, was it too, saying too much to say she was the architect of the housing uh, cross-party agreement that went through recently, that, that didn't go through the House, but was was, was um, announced recently. She's urban liberal through and through, worked for John Key back in the day. Former, former colleague of you, of mine, yeah. former colleague of you. Don't hold like that a, against your right, people. Right, right, right. Okay, okay, don't don't judge her on, on that. Move on from that one. Um, I, I think she's she's in the. Fr- I mean, she's been mooted as Luxon's deputy the yep. whole way through. That's part of that, you know, conservative liberal yep. um, kind of split. Uh, Auckland, non Auckland. Um, I mean, she's she's been she's been very good this term. Um, I, I, yeah, see her as more of a deputy at this stage of her career. Um, yeah, I, th- I think she's very, I think she's very good where she is. Um, she may be a little too liberal for uh, the, you know, as a leadership prospect mm. for for the National Party base. I think alongside Nicola Willis, uh, quite often will be found uh, Chris Bishop, who's another person who's you know been mentioned a little bit, and I think it's fair to say. Rubs a lot of people up the wrong way on Twitter, especially, but has been probably the most effective opposition MP um, in the last three to six months. And 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 COVID response portfolio has really held the feet to the fire um, on a range of areas, whether it's testing or MIQ or whatever. Is 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 that an outside possibility, Annabelle? Uh, I was just going to say about um, Nicola Willis, like she is very, you know, early in her career, but, you know, other other MPs have come through unexpectedly early too. She's, she's bright, she's young, she's liberal, she's hardworking. I think, um, you know, her and um, Riti would be a really, um, mm-hmm. a, a great match-up together that would... Um, would have wide appeal, in my opinion. Mm. Chris Bishop, yeah, I think um, obviously he has been a really effective MP, uh, opposition MP, one certainly one of the, the the stronger players that they have. Um, and I think he's got that kind of Kiwi blokey, relatable way of talking a bit like Key. Um, I don't know if he has strong support within the caucus, though particularly from the kind of evangelical faction of um, of national I don't know if, if that um, if he'd, if he'd be able to get enough support and this is part of the problem is that actually when you look at the th- 
along with Retty, the three most effective MPs, um, certainly in this parliamentary term so far, have been Bishop, Willis and Eric Stanford. And Eric Stanford also mentioned quite often as a, a deputy. As, as, potential a, as a potential to, running mate for Bridges, it's been reported. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and those three, you know, I just... That that liberal block or faction, as you might want to call it, I mean, three votes is not trivial in the much reduced National Party caucus. But ten percent. But, yeah, <laughs> but, but in terms of in terms of uh, who you know being able to carry the leadership, um, I don't think that there is the appetite amongst their colleagues for one of those three young you know youngish mm. liberals mm. to be the leader. Which mm. is a shame because I, I I think that you know national needs to. Um, Win back more centre, win back more of the centre in order to beat Labor, and I think that one of those MPs would be a much better match up and have a much better chance against Ardern come the next election. Mm, mm. Yeah, that's where the contest is. There is some advantage, I think, and novelty as Ardern showed. You know, once again, the go back to leader of the opposition being the. Worst job in the world, <laughs> you know. Why do it for longer than seven weeks, right? <laughs> um, you got to think about that too. Like, who's going to look good going up against Ardern and Robertson? I think you know. Sometimes it can be a little bit insular when you're picking your leaders, but I mean, ultimately, the the real race isn't against your 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 caucus mates. It's a, it's against the other side, and mm. that that needs to be considered. Uh, so if it sounds like the kind of that part of the calculation will be that idea of a ticket, you know, and I don't think it, I don't think there are rules necessarily that dictate whether you have to do it that way in national or not. Do you know, Ben? Um, Labor's a bit different, but um, you know, and does that mean that the the likelihood is that we have a conservative wing? Leader alongside a more liberal wing deputy is that what's looking likelier? Given that the two, you know, the two front runners, presumptive are Bridges and Luxon, who are both conservative, um, and yeah, the, and that so that would be Bridges and Stanford or mm. Luxon and Willis. So Ben, would you like to um, would you like to uh, tell the people of New Zealand who you are, who you think is should would excel as the next leader of the? I, I think that um, I'm probably pretty simpatico with Simon Bridges in terms of uh, no, I don't want any of my previous predictions or opinions ever brought up again. So mm-hmm. I think it would be good if we just woke up and everything since March, May the 20th last year was just a, a long, strange dream. Mm. Mm. One, of, one of those dreams you get when you're on nicotine patches that are filled with, like, blood and chaos and <laughs> murder and horror. <laughs> like. um, Annabelle? Mm-hmm. Who do you think? Who, who, are you, who, are you, who do you think would be best equipped? Are you, are you Dr. Jane? Um, well, uh, I th- as a... In, in one of those positions, I think it would be a, a good thing to have him there. Any update on the pigeons? So you know how I bought the Tui feeder and I was playing the Yui Boom and, like, at first they were real, like, ramped up about the Yui Boom Tui songs. Now they've, like, cottoned on and they're going all, like, tenoranga tiratanga on me and they're like, we don't want your sugar water woman. Get out what next, beads and blankets. No, they're just totally ignoring me. So they're ignoring... they're getting smarter and they get smarter and smarter. These things can fly. That's true. If they, you know. So anyway, I don't have my Tui border control. They're just like, get out, loser. We're not saving your house from the pigeons. But interestingly, the pigeons are ignoring me at the moment too. So it's like a bit of a peaceful time. Okay. You, you know what would be if this was if this was a movie, we would sort of it would be us talking about the pigeons, and then we'd we'd move off, and there'd be a, there'd be like a Tui walking along the deck. And then suddenly it would be squashed by like a well manicured hand with large chunky fashion rings on it and like an 80s blazer sleeve just poking out. And then we'd roll to credits. Is this another one of your nicotine patch dreams? (laughs) Um, 
no, I, I just think that, you know, one of the issues that uh, National are going to have to deal with is what do they do with Judith Collins? Because she will not give up. She will not stop. And she's... Oh, well, she's already she announced she's standing stand again. again. Standing again in 2023. Rob Mulder. They'll, they'll have to weed her out at that Let's level. Let's just quickly, before we go, because we have to wrap, touch on something which <laughs> really everyone should have been talking about today, uh, but nobody was talking about as a result of what happened last night and this morning, which is the expedited uh, legislation that's been introduced through the through Parliament under extreme urgency to uh, enable the traffic light response framework. Um, it's been pretty widely condemned across the board by experts, and it it's the kind of thing that many of those people who are involved in and 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 pushing it through the house would have been crying blue murder around if the if the roles were exchanged. Uh, back back when I was working in government for the national government, Grant Robertson joined in with Dayman Salmon calling a, 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 the use of urgency in Parliament um, an assault on democracy, um, and that was just sort of saying, "Oh, we're going to stay late on Friday to finish some, you know, finish some legislating." What's happening here is all stages urgency, which means that you just sit in one block and you do the first, second, third, and committee stage readings of a bill all at once, and then suddenly it's the law. So there's no select committee, there's no opportunity for public submissions, mm. there's no opportunity to step outside, you know, and see Judith Collins sort of like devouring, you know, people in the hallway or whatever to catch your breath and think about what you've just read. Uh, instead, it, it all just gets rammed through. Um, this is really significant legislation. I mean, I, I'm sure there is widespread support for it, which is that it sets, it sets up the framework for making the regulations that will be the You can believe system. it's necessary and right and yeah. not that the way that it's been but, introduced. Yeah, but, but the process is appalling. And, you know, if, if you are going to be limiting people's rights, the unvaccinated people's rights in this way, which would have been unthinkable two or three years ago before COVID, um, and, and not even give them an opportunity to send in a postcard expressing their dis dissatisfaction. You know, even the banning of firearms after Christchurch, there was a one-day submission and then one-day select committee process. Mm. Now, it's truncated, it's tokenistic, but at least you're letting people sort of have their voice heard. And the other thing is it makes bad law. You know, the, there's a lot of things the government doesn't know it doesn't know. Um, and if you don't let people have a look at the law, you'll get tripped up later. So, I mean, just a, a, I was going to say a, a bad day for the government, but actually today is a great day for the government. Today will be a snow day for their ministers and their staffers as they gather around gleefully <laughs> with 20 group chats going at once, <laughs> weeping with delight <laughs> at the state of the National Party. It was interesting watching Chris Hipkins uh, do the media rounds this morning and he sort of had a sort of slightly blank stare knowing full well that no one was really listening to what he said, <laughs> you know, having kind of the night before presumably swatted to be ready for a number of quite serious <laughs> interrogations. <laughs> it was all just... Annabelle, are we done? We're done. Uh, we will uh, regroup, I think, hopefully next week to um, talk about whatever happens in Tuesday's vote. Uh, meantime, we're sending you our most profound love. And thank you to I here for um, um, creating this emergency podcast. Thank you to members for your um, uh, just just being the greatest. Um, how does this? How does this? How does this end? What happens? Just you just stop talking. Just stop talking. Yeah. yeah. Kia ora e te iwi, te Ahe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.